This morning, for, for our word this morning, for our message, I wanted to look at the idea forgiveness and uh, what, the, what the word would say. And we're going to have a look at some scriptures uh, out of the book of Matthew. And we're going to have a look this morning about what Jesus would say to us uh, about forgiveness. And I thought before we get into those verses, what would be handy would be to probably have a little bit of a, a definition this week. I was kind of thinking uh, about forgiveness, maybe what it meant. So I had a look at a few, uh, I guess, of the words that forgiveness is used in these scriptures. And, and here's the, the kind of definition that it, that it comes up with us. It says this, it says that forgiveness is the removal of guilt for wrongdoing. It's the removal of the guilt of wrongdoing. So it's to wipe it out, to take it away, to remove that. So it's not uh, taking away wrongdoing. It's not taking away consequence. It's not often when I think about forgiveness, it kind of just means it makes everything uh, okay. Maybe it's the removal of justice. It's actually none of those things. It's actually the ability to recognise that something wrong has happened, that there is, a, there is a debt, that there is something that is attached to that wrongdoing. And as a result of that, often what we, we find wrapped up around that is guilt. And so the ability to forgive really means that we, we have the, the option of saying that guilt is taken away. Uh, one kind of way that uh, this was illustrated to me a little while ago, I have, a, I have two kids, uh, my oldest, his name is Boston, and uh, I got a phone call from uh, the, the daycare that he was at saying, oh, we just, you know, and you, you never kind of want that phone call, do you? It's like, oh, are you Boston's dad? Uh, yes. Is he alive? Is everything okay? You don't normally call me at 12.30 on a, on a, on a Friday afternoon. Uh, has he done something? You know, is he, is he in trouble? Like, oh, everything's fine. We just, we just had to let you know that uh, he had a, a little bit of an incident on a fort. And I was like, okay, what, what was the incident? Like, what has he done? Uh, you know, is, is he okay? And they said, oh, basically someone's pushed him off that fort. And uh, he landed on his head. He's landed a little bit awkwardly. And so he has a little bit of a mark, but everything's okay. He doesn't want to come home. He just wants to hang out and, and continue to play. I was like, okay, cool. Thanks so much. Thanks for the phone call. Really appreciate it. I go to pick him up and sure enough, he had like a little bit of a mark kind of on his head where he'd like landed in the sandpit, which was good. I was grateful that it was a soft fall. Uh, and I kind of, you know, as a parent, I was a bit like, all right, where's this kid? You know, like, who is he? Uh, you know, never mind pick on someone your own size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've messed with my boy and now I'm going to come get you. So they, they wouldn't tell, they didn't kind of disclose who it was, which was the right thing to do. But I was like, Boston, who's this kid? Yo, point him out. And uh, he was like, oh, it was so-and-so, but he's not here anymore. He, he's gone home. I'm like, yeah, I bet he has. Uh, and where, where's his dad? I'll, I'll, go, I'll go introduce myself uh, to him next time I see him. And I said, are you okay? And he goes, yeah, I'm okay. Everything's fine. Like, and he was shrugging it off. And I was like, you know, you're happy with, you know, how all that was resolved? And he goes, look, dad, just don't worry about it. He said he was sorry. And I was like, oh, okay. No need to like get retribution then. <laughs> he's like, dad. I don't know what retribution is, but no. And he, he said, you know, he, he, did, he did something that was bad. He pushed me. He, he didn't want to wait for his turn to jump off the fort. He got impatient. He pushed me off. And that was the wrong thing to do. But he said sorry, and so we're all good. And so we continued to play and hang out. And, and I sat there, and I thought, what a... That's my four-year-old kind of... Well, he's a bit younger then, so it's even worse. That's like my three-year-old uh, kind of teaching me a lesson in, in forgiveness. I was all about trying to find this kid and kind of let him know what I thought about him pushing my son. And, you know, if you ever do that again or you ever do that to another kid, I'll be, I'll be kind of, you know, you're going to be seeing me again, you know? thought I'd be the tough guy. And he was like, Dad, you just kind of got to let that go. And I was like, all right. And we had this great walk to the car. And I was like, I just learned a lesson in forgiveness from a three-year-old. And isn't it interesting how we approach life so often that our focus is so much on the wrongdoing 
and wanting to make it right or, or wanting the person to be punished or, or, or wanting there to be suffering or retribution or justice. When forgiveness says it's okay to recognise what was wrong there, but now we need to have the ability in ourselves to be able to forgive that and remove that guilt and be able to walk forward. The, the story in Matthew starts uh, with, a, with some scriptures and they'll, they'll be up on the screen and we'll be able to read along with those. And it says this in, in Matthew 18, it starts with Peter and Peter goes to Jesus. He comes to Jesus and he asks, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Bit of quick maths there. You know, Peter comes to Jesus. Clearly, he's probably frustrated. Maybe something's been going on. I'm not too, too sure. But he comes to Jesus. He's like, how often do I have to forgive someone if they sin against me? You know, seven was actually probably a generous number. You know, scholars talking would have thought three probably would have been, you know, like pretty acceptable. So Peter does the smart thing. He knows he's going to Jesus. Uh, hey, Jesus, do you reckon seven times is okay? And Jesus is like, no, Peter. And what he does is he introduces this idea and this is what I want to have a look at this morning, the idea of unlimited forgiveness. See, Jesus is not actually talking about 70 times 7 and the number. He, he's talking about they just don't put a cap on it. Don't put a limit on it. Doesn't matter how often he comes back to you and says, I'm sorry. You've got to be able to forgive. And forgiveness doesn't come in the form of a number. If you do this thing this many times, I'm only going to have this much forgiveness for you. Jesus actually wants to blow it out and he does this so often. He takes what's in our mindset of going, I think this might be generous. I think this might be enough. I think this could probably justify my thinking. And he flips it and goes, no, you, you've got no idea. In fact, it goes so much more beyond that. And so this morning, if I had a, a title for this message, it would be this, it would be unlimited forgiveness. And we're going to have a look at this parable uh, that Jesus uh, teaches and, and talks about, and it starts like this. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children and everything that he owned to pay back the debt. But the man fell before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave him of his debt. You know, the, the king comes and it's time to settle account. Obviously this guy owes, you know, and Jesus is, is as he's telling this parable, uses the, the, the term that we read today of like millions of dollars. It was huge. It was not had no ability to be able to pay that back in one go. And so the servant says, could you please just give me more time? Just allow me a little bit more time and I'll pay you in full. I'll give you back everything. Which in that time wouldn't have been that unusual of a request. Just give me a little bit more time. I'll give you a little bit now and I'll continue to pay it off. Please just, just have some compassion. And the king looks at him and sees him and go, feels that compassion and goes, you know what? I'm not just going to give you more time. I'm not going to sell you uh, off into to slavery to pay back. I'm not going to put you in that position where you have to lose everything and start again until you have paid me back what you owe me. But in fact, I'm just going to forgive the whole lot. You can go, 
debt free. Get on with your life and don't worry about it anymore. Like, I don't know about you, but that would leave me feeling pretty good. If I owed someone, if I owed, you know, Michelle millions of dollars, I probably do it in lunches, uh, <laughs> always buying me lunch. And said, she came to me and said, don't worry about it anymore. You don't have to pay it. I'll be that happy. If someone said, you don't have to worry about your mortgage anymore, imagine how good that would be. We always have these like, um, you know, would you do this for this amount of money? And the amount of money I always settle on is like the amount of my mortgage. So like, you know, would you do this dare for this much money? If it's under the price of my mortgage, probably not. If it was my mortgage, there's not much limit to what I'd do to get rid of it. The reality is if someone came, if, if, if the bank that I lend from rang me and said, hey, Ryan, it's your, it's your day today. We're going to forgive you the debt of your mortgage. Have a good day. I would be that pumped. I would throw a party. I would be happy. I, I'd be so stoked not to have to pay that back. And the thing that we realise in this story and, and what Jesus is getting at is that each of us has been forgiven a huge debt. A debt that we could never repay. Because of sin in our lives, because of decisions that we've made, because of who we are as people, we have been separated from God. And ultimately, we have been forgiven much. That Christ gave his life, went to the cross, took on our debt for our sin, took on our guilt for our sin, and said, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Does that mean that sometimes there's not consequences for our actions? No. Does it mean that there's, there's not wrongdoing in our lives? No. What it means is as we come repentant before God, he says, don't worry about it anymore. And what it should cause us to want to do is live in forgiveness. That we would walk in that attitude of, I've been forgiven much. So I'm going to walk in the spirit of forgiveness. That I'm going to walk in such a way that my response would be that I know I've been forgiven much. So I want to forgive others the same. You know, I think sometimes uh, what can happen is we can, we can sometimes forgive the mistakes that we could see that we would make. When we understand a wrongdoing that is done to us and go, oh, I, could, I can see how that would happen. It's, it's pretty easy for me to kind of let that one go. Or to understand maybe why we should be forgiven. And living in forgiveness is like, well, I'm a pretty good person. And I don't do some things that other people would do. Or I'm not, I'm not, as, as, not as bad as that person. Or, or that we, we've become in the business of kind of being able to rank wrongdoing. But you don't see Jesus ranking wrongdoing. He recognises that everybody has done wrongdoing. That I've done wrong, that you've done wrong. And he says that the debt of that is wiped away. So go and live differently. Go and live as a person of forgiveness. And show my love and my forgiveness in your life and, and pass that on to other people. But I think sometimes that's a, a difficult thing for us to do. But I believe it's one that we are called to live in. You know, the, the, the story uh, continues here and it says... As I find my spot, here it is. But the man left the king. He went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will repay it, he pleaded. 
but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. The story sounds familiar, doesn't it? But the outcome is very different. This guy who's just been forgiven millions and millions of dollars, for whatever reason, finds himself going to a fellow servant who owed him not an insignificant amount of money, still something very significant, and says, hey, I need that money. Maybe he felt panicked going, oh, I don't ever want to be in that situation. I just found myself in again. I've got to go and be smarter. I've got to go and get, get some of my debts paid and get my, get my life in order. Who knows what his motivation would be, but it's not that hard to see how he would arrive there. But he finds himself in a similar conversation of saying, hey, just give me a little bit more time and I'll pay it. The exact same excuse that he, he had used. The exact same plead for compassion and forgiveness. Yet he refuses and has the servant thrown in jail and left to repay the debt, which from prison is pretty hard to do. What is it sometimes that leaves us in a place like this servant who can look and go, I've been forgiven much. I was just forgiven millions of dollars. I just have a new freedom in my life that I didn't have five minutes ago, that wasn't warranted, that wasn't deserved. It was given to me. And then his very next interaction with another person doesn't live out of that forgiveness, doesn't walk in that forgiveness, but immediately puts the squeeze on the guy and punishes him for the exact same thing that he had just walked through. I think sometimes it's easy to kind of receive forgiveness because we all know that we actually need it. But there's something so much harder about walking in forgiveness. I love this quote that I, that I came across this week. It says this, it says, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hating our enemies. And that came from Martin Luther King Jr. I think the reality is when we walk and we understand that a little bit more and we begin to change the way we look at our fellow brother, at the person who may have wronged us, and we begin to see it through the lens of unlimited forgiveness. Not, I can't have justice in my life. Not, I just need them to feel what I feel. But to look and put their shoes on and go, what would I want if this was me? I'd want my, my debt forgiven. I want, would want the guilt wiped away. I'd want to be able to walk in freedom. Does that mean that they're going to be your best friend forever? Not necessarily. But when forgiveness is lacking, it causes us to carry around guilt, hurt, sometimes shame, anger, and it begins to shape our lives out of that unforgiveness. I don't know if you've met someone before and it's very evident that they, they clearly have some kind of problem with somebody else and, and it can't help but kind of come out. It's really easy to kind of see 
when it's not you. Sometimes it's harder to see when it's you. But the reality is probably for all of us, there's times where we've been hurt, offended, wronged. But we haven't been able to let go of that and forgive. And what I believe happens is, is that we carry that around with us. I was a, a high school chaplain for a, for a number of years. And one of the things that I would always kind of do and first started kind of getting roped into it and enjoy it too much at first. But then by the end of it, it was one of my favorite things to do was to go on kind of outdoor red camps. And on outdoor ed camps, we would go for a few days at a time. We would take these students away and we would basically, we would go hiking. So the idea was you got your hiking bag for those who are familiar with that. Actually, I've got one here, if you excuse me for a second. I'm just gonna go and, go and get it. Uh, this, was the, this was actually the bag. I had to actually dig it out pretty hard because I hadn't used it for like forever. But I wanted to kind of illustrate this. this. This was the bag that I kind of would take on any kind of camping trip. So you can kind of see it's, it's bigger than the average backpack. Uh, it's got kind of some pockets and straps and, you know, useful things. But for days at a time, this would have to contain like my food, my clothes, some kind of shelter, a sleeping bag, a pillow. If you're that way inclined, I'd always try and take a pillow. Not a big one, just a little one. I had a little one. It's important to look after your neck. But, you know, the reality is when you look at this bag, it's not actually that big, is it? Like, there's not that much space in it. There's little straps on the outside. If you're really creative, you could, like, put your sleeping mat on the, on the outside of the bag. But basically, we would leave, and this would go over the shoulders, and we would walk for kilometres and kilometres at a time. Then we'd pull everything out, set up, pack up, and walk again. And kind of the only way that it would kind of get lighter would be if you, is if you kept kind of eating your food. Like if you, were, if you were crazy enough to bring tin food, your bag would get lighter. But I remember like the first time I did that, my bag was way too heavy. Like I overpacked. And I learned pretty quickly that I only wanted to carry kind of what was essential. And then I began to learn that there were ways of finding things that would make life easier. They were lighter, but they were still essential. And I felt like I had kind of my packing down to, to some kind of an art. Eventually, if I'm really honest, I got lazy and used to leave my bag on the bus. <laughs> and I knew the bus would go back to the campsite, so I just kind of walk with my water. But early days, I would take my bag everywhere with me. But I remember on the first day, we would take kids on these camps. We would be like, all right, they'd come, packed, bag on the back, kind of walking a bit like this. And be like, all right, that kid's got way too much stuff in there. So you'd be like, all right, everyone, we're going to pull out the contents of your bag. And we're going to take from you anything that we deem unnecessary uh, for this trip. So I'd be like, there's no electricity. I'll have those hair straighteners. Thank you very much. I'll have that hairdryer. Uh, there are no showers, so you don't really need that shampoo and conditioner. And we're only gone for a few days. Uh, let me tell you, that slab of Coke is going to get really heavy. I'm not joking either. That slab of Coke is going to get really heavy, probably about 5Ks into the walk. And you're not going to want to drink that Coke. You're going to be desperate for water because you're going to be so thirsty from hiking. You know, that giant kind of double pillow that, that you've packed in there that's hanging out the top, you're not going to need that. And the, the look in their face of like kind of the things that we would take away, they thought were the most essential. And then every now and again, there'd be one kid who'd argue for their like slab of Red Bull or Coke or whatever it would be. And I'm like, you know what, mate, Johnny, you take that. You got it. You can take that Coke. I'll let you. And then probably about two hours into the trip, he's like, can you carry my Coke? I'll give you one. I'm like, Absolutely not. Enjoy carrying that around with you. And then you'd watch them. We'd get to the first campsite and they'd drink like 10 Cokes, throw it in the bin and never want to see it again. I think this is a, a good picture sometimes of what life can look like for us as we walk on this journey of life 
that we live? What, what is it that we contain in our backpacks? Do we have the things in our bags that, that we absolutely need to do life? The wisdom and the experiences. For, for, for me, that was always just wanting a tent, minimal clothes, the sleeping bag, definitely the small pillow, and sachets of coffee that were, you could put hot water in that didn't weigh anything. That was pretty much what I would just have to take with me. Because what I didn't want to be doing was carrying around excess things that I didn't need that were going to be harmful, probably not that helpful to the journey and just caused me to be getting a sore back. But the reality is, I think for a lot of us, if we were to do what those kids do and say, hey, put your backpack on the ground and pull everything out. Pull everything out that you're taking on this journey. How often would we find maybe a little bit of hurt? Maybe that person, is that, that, there's still that guilt attached to us from that person that, that wronged us, that hurt us. Maybe there's a little bit of anger or offence or, or bitterness. And it comes time to kind of set up and take a break and set up camp. And actually what most of what we have is not what we need. Because we have no space to put the good things that we need in there. Because it's full of all the things that we're carrying that we don't need. And they become heavy. And they become burdensome. But when we walk in forgiveness, we're able to take those things away. When we don't hang on to the anger and the offence of the person that wronged us and we go, you know what, I'm actually just going to choose to forgive you of that. And remember, it's not saying that what you did is okay. You still might feel wronged and you still might have some things that you've got to work through. You can say, I'm not going to hang on to this anymore. And I'm going to begin to walk away and not carry that bitterness or anger or hurt or however that unforgiveness is presenting in your life. And you're going to have the ability to leave it behind. You know, as followers of Christ, this is what we're called to do. We're called to be people who go, hey, I had plenty of sin in my backpack. Plenty of guilt and shame in there. And Jesus came along and said, you know what, let's just reset. As you've repented of that, you're forgiven. Leave it behind, you don't need it anymore. Don't carry it around. I think for some of us, we maybe need to remember that in our own lives a little bit as well. I don't know what you see when you, when you look in the mirror. Do you, do you see a person that's been forgiven of much by Jesus? Or do you still see yourself as a person who is separated and done wrong by God? God doesn't see the, the guilt anymore. He, he, he wants to release you from that and wants you to walk in that day to day that your bag would be full of great things in your life, equipping you to live life the very best you can. What doesn't equip us to live well is the, the weight, I believe, of unforgiveness in our lives. And we carry it around with no use or purpose other than we get used to it being there. Or maybe it's hard to, to let it go. But as we let it go, the promise is that we become lighter and freer and that we can live more in the freedom that God has for us in our lives. I'm going to invite the, the team to, to come up and join us again. And we're, going to, we're just going to see how this, this story kind of wraps up. It says this, it says, When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who had, he had forgiven 
and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive brothers and sisters from your heart. What Jesus is really saying here is the reality is that when we live in unforgiveness, it means we don't have a, we're not living out of the direct reality of the forgiveness that has been given to us. And as we truly understand what has been given to us, we should forgive others the same way that we have been forgiven. That is the call from Jesus to His followers. That you have been forgiven much, so you need to forgive too. I remember growing up and heard this saying, I think it was actually from, from Pastor Barry Thigerson back in the day. And he said this, he said, having unforgiveness in your life is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. The reality is sometimes we can live with unforgiveness in our life and you know, the other person's gone on with their life. They maybe don't even realise that they've done something to offend you or wrong you. Yet we carry it around as if we're holding them on the hook for the guilt of what they've done wrong to us. But really we're just tormenting ourselves. But the bit that really stands out to me here is in verse 31 when it says, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They had seen the forgiveness that the master has extended to him. And then they see the way that he's played out his first chance to have forgiveness and extend forgiveness to somebody else. And it says that they were upset. And they go back to the king and they're like, what is the deal? We can't believe what we have just witnessed. And there's this part of me as I've been reflecting on this this week and it's amazing how many verses of forgiveness have popped up in, in different Bible verses that I've been reading. And I have to ask myself that question, when people come into contact with me, do I represent the forgiveness of Christ in my life? Is that what they would see? And I'm not always sure that the answer to that would be yes. But you know what I want it to be. Forgiveness is actually hard. It's not an easy thing to do. But I believe it's one of the greatest ways we can show and extend the love of Christ to those in our worlds. That when we are quick to forgive and say, like I was talking about at the beginning, maybe that wasn't right. Maybe what you did was wrong by me. And I understand that. But I'm gonna forgive you and I'm gonna remove the guilt attached to that wrong. That allows freedom in my life. But so much more importantly, it brings freedom to their life too. And it gives a chance of reconciliation and it gives a chance of restored relationship. But more than anything, it brings freedom to your life and to their life. I wanna finish with this quote from an unknown person, but it says this. It says, if the church is the community of the forgiven, which is what we are, then all its relationships will be marked by forgiveness, which is not a mere form of words, but an essential characteristic. This should be the picture of how God's people live, an essential characteristic that people use to describe God's people. 
should be that we are quick to forgive. Imagine what it would be like if people looked at the church and the way they described one of our essential characteristics would be, man, they are quick to forgive. They don't judge. They don't hold on. They don't have records of wrong. They don't hold it against us. But they love and they forgive. I wonder what a great picture of Christ that would give to the people around us in our world. What that would say about who Jesus is to the people that we come into contact with. And my encouragement would be as we're about to, to sing, we're gonna, we're gonna sing the song we actually started with. I'm sorry, I've messed up the flow, messed up the, messed up the set list. But as I was listening to that at the beginning of our service, I think what a, what a perfect song. Oh, come to the altar, this picture of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in our lives. And I think the first step is for each one of us is to recognise and come to grips with the fact that God has forgiven you and He's forgiven me of a great debt that we could never repay on our own. And as we come to terms with that and accept that and become grateful for that, that it would spill out into our relationships in our lives. And so as we sing this song this morning, I wanna leave you with two questions. The first one is this, have you accepted the gift of forgiveness that God has given to you through His Son Jesus in your life? And if you allowed that to take away the guilt of your past, the shame of your past, the things that you have done wrong in your past, to allow you to walk and live in the freedom that He has for your life. And if the answer to that is yes, I wanna encourage you to be able to forgive like Jesus did. And I wanna, as we sing this, my, my heart would be that if there's areas of unforgiveness in your life, areas where you're holding on, to offence and hurt and things that have been done to you, that in this moment, you can come before Jesus and allow Him to help you to take that away. So maybe you just open up the contents of your bag and go, it's time for me to remove all this unnecessary weight that I've been carrying and allow Him to begin to do a work on the inside of you, to walk in the freedom that He has for you. Can I pray for us this morning? Jesus, I thank You for the forgiveness of sin in my life. Lord, that You loved Your people enough to go to the cross and say, no longer do You have to live in this guilt and in this shame and in Your own wrongdoing. But as You come before me, I'll forgive that and remove that from You so You can walk in freedom, in joy, in hope, in peace, in love. And Lord, I pray for each one of us that if there is forgiveness, unforgiveness, sorry, in our lives, would You highlight it? Would You allow us the courage to be able to go and restore and make good and remove that guilt and that shame and that anger and that bitterness and may it not just free us, but may it free others. When people see Your church, Lord, may they see people who are forgiving and loving, quick to forgive, slow to anger, slow to hold on to wrongdoing, but quick to let it go and move on to the next chapter. Lord, would You do a work in our hearts this morning that leave us a little bit lighter and emptier than what we were when we walked in. We thank You for Your love and Your grace and Your forgiveness in our lives. Come on, why don't we just sing this for a few moments together. Thank You, God.